morning. <clears throat> Our reading this morning is from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verse 7, from chapter 11, verse 7, to chapter 12, verse 8. And it's on page 678, 678 in the Church Bibles. Remember your creator while young. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigour are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease, that's the teeth, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Um, good morning, everybody. Uh, please do keep your Bibles open. Um, my name's Steve McClure. I'm part of the church family here, and I have a particular responsibility for formation school. Um, we've been in Ecclesiastes for a little while now. We've got two more to go, uh, one of which is today. And I must admit, when I was asked to speak on this subject, one foot in the grave, I, was, I had a kind of response of some shock. Having been in the church for 25 years, can you believe that? 25 years. The first time I'm asked to speak here at City is under the title, One Foot in the Grave. I mean, what was Chris Webb trying to say to me? I mean, what do you do with that? That phrase, one foot in the grave, is normally used of someone who isn't quite dead, but they're not so far away. 
And infamously, of course, it was used in the TV show of the same name in the 1990s. Um, for those who have never heard of One Foot in the Grave, it was about an old man called Victor Meldrew, played by Richard Wilson and his wife Margaret. He retired age 60, um, having been made redundant from his job as a security guard. But he's cursed with misfortune. Everything that could go wrong does go wrong. He's left constantly grumpy and complaining. And of course, he's famous for his catchphrase, I don't believe it, <laughs> and unbelievable. Perhaps you can do a better impression than me. Um, but you'll find that. And in fact, the first one of those is, was the nation's favorite catchphrase in 2019. Let me ask you this morning, what are the things that irk you? What really gets you wound up? What leaves you riled up and really annoyed? Perhaps it's like me and you run into traffic. Or perhaps it's what other drivers on the road are doing, or people on bikes or e-scooters. Maybe it's antisocial behavior. Maybe it's people cutting into the queue in front of you. Or perhaps it's your children. I, I recently saw on Instagram a, a post of a mother declaring that when her children were older, she would fill, fill her face from their cupboards, she would jump up and down on their sofa, and she would smear toothpaste all over their bathroom mirror. Well, in Ecclesiastes, we've been wrestling with some of the harsh realities of life. And we're talking this morning about the opportunities and the challenges of growing older. The caricature of Victor Meldrew is of a grumpy old man that becomes increasingly angry and frustrated about everything around him. We're all growing older day by day. Sorry if that's news to you. And the thing is, those frustrations can get stronger and stronger as we get older. Victor had one foot in the grave, but as we've seen in Ecclesiastes, we're going to have one foot in eternity. After all, the teacher said in chapter 3 that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. So we're going to consider this under four headings this morning. Firstly, life under the sun. Key mantra in Ecclesiastes is this phrase, life under the sun. It's used 29 times, and you can see them on the screen. The sun is like a marker of time, and um, life under the sun is about how things are now. Life this side of eternity. There's a repetitiveness that we've seen it again and again. We're doing the same things, and the next generation does the same. And so the teacher in Ecclesiastes has been flitting between two visions of life, one that's rooted in the present world and one that's focused on life to come in eternity. And the conclusion that he's come to over and over again has been that everything is meaningless. More literally, as we've seen, it's like a breath or a vapor, something you just can't get a hold of, something that's there one moment and gone the next. But in the midst of what he's been saying about life under the sun, he's also been bringing God into view as well. And so we see on the screen there, it's God who brings enjoyment. It's God who brings wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. It's God who brings satisfaction. God is to be feared. 
He's the maker of all things. And he even determines the number of our days. But then have a look down at verses 7 to 8. The teacher flits once more with life under the sun. He says, life is sweet. It pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. See, there is a sweetness to life. It's pleasing to see the sun. And it really is pleasing to see the sun, but there's something pleasing about being here in this world. And so we're urged to enjoy all the years that God gives us. But then there's this warning that there's these other days of darkness. And he says that everything to come is meaningless. What he wants to show us is that this is really no way to live. And that's because life under the sun is not all that there is. Let me ask you this morning, are you preoccupied with life under the sun? Is that all you can see in your perspective? And then secondly, the opportunities of youth. And that's 11 verse 9 to 12 verse 1. And these verses are primarily addressed to the young. And he's talking about opportunities. Let's read it, verse 9. You who are young, be happy while you're young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Teacher wants those of us who are young to enjoy life. It's great to be alive. Maybe we could look like we're great to be alive. (laughs) It is great to be alive, and we should enjoy it. It's not merely for the young, this instruction, as we've already seen. We're to enjoy life over all the days that God gives us. Life itself is a miracle. Psalm 139 says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's given us all kinds of things to enjoy in this life. Life is not something to endure, but something to enjoy. Something to enjoy. Look down at verse 10. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. We put a lot of energy into trying to cling on to our youth and our vigor for as long as possible. Come on, we know that's true. But again, the teacher says here that youth and vigor are like vapor. They don't last. In and of themselves, they're not going to bring us meaning or happiness. No, we're to live in the light of eternity, here and now. Life is for living. Especially for those of us who are young, the teacher wants us to get on with it and make the most of the opportunities that life presents us with. And then look down at 12 verse 1. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. This isn't something we can put off until later. No, God wants to be taken seriously now while we're young. Everything we do matters. And the decisions we're making today will impact the people that we're becoming tomorrow. And so the question the teacher's really raising here is whether we will simply live life under the sun or whether we will live in the light of eternity. 
Look down at the second part of verse 9. He encourages us to follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. Initially, that sounds like a real invitation to really live it up. But in the Old Testament, the heart is more about intellect than emotion. The sense here is more about walking or behaving wisely. And it's qualified in the next verse, which says that we're going to be called to account. You see, we're not just to live for this life, but we're to live for eternity. We need to remember our creator then in everything that we're doing, in our love and our marriage, in our friendships, in our family, in our career, in our financial decisions. God wants, us to, be in, God wants to be involved in all of these things. Part of being a, a disciple of Jesus Christ is to love him above all else. But notice the warning in the second part of verse 1 there. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Hard times may be nearby, but even if they're not, none of us are going to escape the challenges of old age. It comes to us all. We need to remember God now and put him at the center of our lives. And then thirdly, he wants, us to ch- he wants us to consider the challenges of old age. I don't know whether you're here this morning, you, you regard yourself as young or as old. Many of us, I'd certainly put myself in this camp, would try and slot into some kind of middle ground. Um, the thing is, the Bible doesn't seem to talk about a middle ground. You're either young or you're old. Something I've been learning the hard way. A few months back, I was visiting a friend at his home for the first time. And he explained to me how to get to his 12th floor apartment. He told me I could either take the lift, or if I wanted the exercise, I could go up the stairs. And of course, the challenge came to me like a red rag to a bull. I went for the stairs. I confidently set off, rapidly climbing the stairs, and I made excellent time on the first three floors. I thought to myself, I really did, I thought, Steve, you've got this. But it turns out the 12th floor is quite a long way. I was soon wondering how it was possible there could even be so many floors. By floors four to six, I was was slowing somewhat, and then the cleaning lady gave me a very strange look. And by floors seven to nine, I was definitely struggling, and I was beginning to question my decision to take the stairs. I kept going, managed to go right past the 12th floor, all the way up to the 13th floor. I was so bewildered. But eventually I arrived, hot and sweaty, trying not to gasp too much for breath. And then my friend opened the door. And he said, I don't believe it. No, no, he didn't really. No, he looked at me and he said, he said, ah, you took the stairs. And it was humbling that what I once might have been able to do with some ease had become such a test. Generally, our 20s and 30s um, are, are our physical peak. In fact, apparently physical peak is actually age 25. That puts me 20 years past my prime. I no longer have the energy, the memory, the capacity, the health, certainly not the hair that I used to have. And some of you are looking at me thinking, Steve, you ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> 
more seriously, I appreciate there's people in this room who know a lot more about old age than I do. Um, but there's lots we can learn here from the passage. So have a look at verse 2 to 5. Some debate about what these verses mean, but their overall thrust is quite clear. They're a metaphor about getting older. Have a look at verse 2. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Seems to be describing a time of winter or a time of storm. A time when the sun no longer shines. A time when the moon and stars cannot be seen. And after the rain, the clouds return. Is this what old age is like? When we're young, tough times come and go pretty quickly. But time, event, time eventually comes when these things start to come at us more frequently and they don't pass so quickly. One cloud quickly follows after another as our bodies begin to fade. Have a look at verse 3. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they're few and those looking through the windows grow dim. Picture here seems to be of a once great and busy house in the country. Likely full of children and servants, but now things are different. The keepers of the house have grown old. There's no longer the sound of grinding corn. The strong men who once worked the land are now walking with a stoop. The keepers of the house stare out the windows, growing dim. The doors are shut most of the time. They, they rise early to the sound of birds. But either it's hard to hear, or maybe it's their songs which have grown faint. They've grown afraid of climbing in the hills or walking the streets. Their hair is now white like the almond. Once they were bouncing like grasshoppers, but now they drag themselves about. Sleep is more difficult. They're easily awoken. The active are becoming weak. Their desires and their passions are beginning to wane. Others take these verses to be a picture of the human body. You'll notice um, Sue gave us the clue with the teeth. Um, the keepers of the house, of course, are the arms and the hands, and they're beginning to tremble. The strong men are the knees or the feet. They're beginning to sag. As I said, the grinders are the teeth, but now few remain. It's hard to chew. The eyes of those looking out the windows, they're not what they used to be. And the older we get, the more these things become a reality. There is no escaping that. And so the crucial question for us this morning is how does our view of life enable us to face all of this? It's a hard question, but it's one that we do need to wrestle with. Perhaps you think these verses are painting a sober picture of getting older. But let me say it doesn't have to be all negative. If, of course, we're only concerned with life under the sun, then, then perhaps that will be the case. But if our focus is on God and all that he has for us, then it can be very different. Getting older is still going to be tough, but God gives us a completely different perspective. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. 
Can I say that some of the most important voices in my life over the past few decades have been people that have been older than me. They've been cheerleaders for me, people who've prayed for me, drawn alongside me, encouraged me, pointed me to Jesus, and urged me to work out God's calling on my life. Some of those people are here today. I thank God for you. But all of us have the opportunity to be such people in the lives of others. What a privilege. What a blessing. How are we going to use our later years for maximum impact, for maximum blessing of those around us? And then we come to the fourth thing, the fragility of life. The final verses wrestle with this. His line of thought finishes with people gathering at the funeral. They're there to mourn those who've been lost. He's saying that our journeys under the sun will draw to a close. But look at the second part of verse 5. The teacher speaks about going to our eternal home. He's eager to point out that this is not the end. Yes, it's like the end of life under the sun, but as we've seen, life under the sun is not all that there is. Those who are left behind will mourn. I'm conscious that a number of us in the room, many of us in the room maybe, have experienced that over the past year, even the past few weeks. There'll be people here who are hurting. This is difficult. For us, two weeks ago was the 10-year anniversary of the death of our friend James Witham. There's a picture of him on the screen. He was 21. He was enjoying life to the full. But he was tragically killed in a hiking accident in Norway. He was someone who grabbed hold of the opportunities of life. He threw himself into all kinds of things, not least the things that helped him grow in his faith. He loved Jesus, and he was motivated to share his faith with others. But God took him home. It was no one's fault but his own. He didn't stick to his plan. He didn't even stick to a path. He got himself into trouble, and he fell. For those who were there, it was incredibly difficult. But the one thing it really did clearly teach us was how fragile life really is. Look down at verse 6, and the teacher comes back to his theme of remembering. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. This string of metaphors illustrate the ending of life. They're all things of beauty, but one day they would lie severed, shattered, and broken. Life, too, is a thing of beauty, but one day it will be snuffed out. Look at verse 7. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Death is not the end. Our spirits are going to return to God and life in eternity with Jesus awaits all who know and love him. I don't know if we can have the other picture. After James's death, we held a small memorial service on the mountain where he'd fallen in Norway. That's the group who were there. And um, without knowing anything about what we'd done here, 
a lady who's here in the church this morning had a vision of, of us up on the mountain. And in this vision, she saw James shouting down to us. And do you know what he said? He said, I'm not dead, I'm alive. I'm not dead, I'm alive. Billy Graham famously said something similar, which you can read on the screen. But the thing that thing that's in common between James, Billy Graham, and many of the people that, that we know and love who we've lost is that they truly are more alive today than they've ever been because they're with their Lord and Savior. If we love Jesus, then one day we will be there too. So as we wrap this up, in this series we've wrestled with the contrast between life under the sun and a life lived in the light of eternity. Look at verse 8. He says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Without God in the picture, surely this is true. This morning we've considered the opportunities of youth. We've talked about the difficulties of getting older. We've talked about the fragility of life. And we're left asking, what do we have to say in the face of these things? I started out with the light-hearted caricature of Victor Meldrew. How easy it would be for us to be caught up with everything under the sun and slowly find ourselves becoming more cynical, more bitter, more angry, and ever more complaining. But God transforms our perspective in this. Will we let him? This week when we find ourselves irked by the people or the things going on around us, let's try and remember God and keep him in perspective. This week when we're struggling with some aspect of getting older, let's remember all that God has for us in eternity. After all, Paul says our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us in eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Life we've seen is for living, and the choices we're making today are impacting the people that we're becoming tomorrow. And so it's imperative that we make those choices positively and in the light of all that awaits us in eternity. We need to allow our future to shape us in our present. Jesus said that, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If we know and love Jesus, then life to the full means living with him, living for him, and in the light of all that we're going to do in, in eternity. It's not so much one foot in the grave then, let's get rid of that title, but one foot in eternity. Life's still going to be hard. Getting older is still going to be hard, but we'll have a perspective on that that will enable us to deal with all that life brings. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the encouragement to live our lives in the light of eternity and not just for life under the sun. Lord, would you help us to make the most of all the opportunities you give us, to invest in things that last, would you help us to look at you as we face all that life brings our way? 
Thank you that we're going to spend eternity with you where there'll be no more death, no more sin, no more pain, no more suffering. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.